Galatians chapter number 5, Galatians, Galatians chapter number 5, and we're going to continue our series of By His Spirit, and the title of this morning's message is The Fruit of the Spirit, and we've been studying over the last few weeks about who the Holy Spirit is. We learned about the person of the Holy Spirit, and we also learned a little bit about the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the work that he does in the life of every person in the world. He uh, convicts every person of the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. We learned about that. But we also learned about the work that he does in a believing person, person that has put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. We see that the, the Holy Spirit begins to work on uh, the life of that person, begins to guide that person, right, into all truth. And, uh, and then we learn that by being guided by the Spirit, we can also walk in the Spirit. And we talked about what it means to walk in the Spirit. Uh, and, and we studied that passage there in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And, uh, and now we want to continue, after a person is walking in the Spirit, what that produces. And uh, this morning, as we get into this passage of Galatians chapter 5, we're really going to be looking at two verses, verse 22 and verse 23. We're going to really look at what a life, what, what, what it looks like when a person walks in the Spirit. What is it that is produced in that life? What does the Holy Spirit do in the life of a person? And so we're going to be talking about that this morning. I hope it'll be a, a profitable time, a time that we can grow uh, together as we study God's Word. Uh, let me just say as well, if you've still not received the notes, uh, maybe it wasn't in your bulletin or you just uh, forgot to get some, if you would just uh, raise your hand and the ushers will, will do their best to, to see your hand and get you those notes, and that way we can follow along together as we study this passage and learn about what it is uh, that is the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter number 5 and verse 22 and verse 23, and just to give you a little bit of a, of a context uh, of this, of uh, what's going on in this book, we, we know that uh, Paul is writing to the Christians in Galatia, and he's writing to them because they are really battling this life, the Christian life, the, the idea of what it means to walk in the Spirit. They've been taught by false teachers that uh, the Christian life is all about these rules and rituals that you have to keep. Uh, and if you just do this list, if you do these things that you're supposed to do and don't do these things that you're not supposed to do, then now you're a real Christian. And that's how God loves you. And that's why God will save you. And it is a false doctrine. It is a false teaching. And Paul teaches them that we're not saved by uh, works. We're not saved by rituals. And we're not kept saved. God's love does not depend on me and you keeping a list of things to do that are right and not doing things that are, are not right. That's not what God's love is based off of. And uh, Paul is teaching them in this whole book, he's teaching them that uh, the Christian life is a life that is lived through the Spirit of God. In fact, he says the Spirit of God indwells us. We're born of the Spirit. And then that Spirit of God begins to work and we walk in that Spirit. And it's, it's a relationship kind of life. It's not uh, a life that is just done by what we do, but in the Spirit of God working in us. So with that as a context, I want you to notice what he says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. He says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. 
This morning we're going to learn about those first, uh, first three aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, and peace. But before we get into that, let's ask God to, uh, to help us and the Spirit of God to illuminate us as we study His Word. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for once again uh, allowing us to be here. Thank You for Your Word because it is in Your Word that we can find not only Your will for our life, but we can find life itself. Your word teaches us that you came that we might have life and life more abundantly. And I pray that as we study this passage, as we study of what it means to have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help us have the understanding of it this morning, but also, Father, to highlight areas in our life where perhaps we're lacking that fruit and where uh, the Spirit of God would like to work and we're not allowing Him to work. I pray that we would this morning uh, open our hearts, open our minds, open our lives uh, to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life and that he would be able to produce this fruit that he would have us to to live out. And so, Father, I pray uh, that you would help me, fill me with your spirit as I communicate this message, that it would be something that would be clear. And, Father, that it would be something that would exalt the name of Christ and be a, a blessing and a help to your people this morning. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Of a vast domain 
or behaved in sins dreads away so I'd rather Well, every person who was walking in the Spirit can be identified by the fruit that they produce. Every person walking in the Spirit of God can be identified by the fruit that they produce. You can't identify them by the works that they do. You won't identify them by the words that they say. You only identify them by the fruit. In fact, Jesus told His disciples, by their fruit... You shall know them. Walking in the Spirit always produces some sort of fruit in the life of a person. Now, I want you to notice in this passage, as Paul is writing to those Christians in Galatia and explaining what it means to walk in the Spirit and explaining what is the life that is produced from walking in the Spirit, I want you to notice in verse 19. Notice that in verse 19, uh, there's something that is different. In verse 19, Paul writes, he said, Now the works of the flesh are manifest. The works of the flesh are manifest, or they're shown in this way. I want you to notice that when it comes to uh, living outside of the Spirit of God, that means you're living within your own nature, in your flesh. The Bible says there are two ways to walk in life. You can walk after the Spirit, or you're going to walk after the flesh. And so uh, the opposite of walking in the Spirit is walking in the flesh. And when someone is walking in the flesh, you'll see that there's a lot of works that they do. And in verse 19, and in verse 20, and in verse 21... Paul says, this is how you identify a person that is walking in the flesh. Here are the works that they do. You'll notice that it's plural. There are many works that a person does when they're walking in the flesh. All of them are different. All of them are terrible. All of them have dire consequences in the life of that person. But they're plural. There's a lot of works that happen in the life of a person that's walking after the flesh. But a person that is walking in the Spirit... You'll notice in verse number 22 that Paul says it's the fruit of the Spirit, a singular work. You see, that singular work is brought about by what the Spirit of God does in the life of that person. Now, I want you to notice that as we study this, though it's a singular work of the Holy Spirit, it's multifaceted. And you can kind of think of it, if you will, as a diamond. If you get a diamond and you cut that diamond, a perfectly cut diamond, and you begin to put light on that diamond, you'll see that it sparkles everywhere. That light goes through every facet of that diamond. 
If you could get a, a microscope and see it, you don't really see it with the naked eye exactly, but if you could, with a microscope, you'll see that light is going through every little facet, every little cut of that diamond. And though it is only one diamond, there's a lot of facets to it that is showing light. And when you think about walking in the Spirit, the fruit that He begins to produce in our lives, the Spirit of God, is like that diamond that's multifaceted, bringing light on different areas of our life, producing one work that's beautiful as a whole. So this morning, as we, as we study this passage, we're going to look at those first three facets of what it means of the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to notice this morning that that first facet uh, is that this fruit of the Spirit is an internal fruit. It is an internal fruit. See, the internal fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in the life of a Christian is what can only be seen and known on the inside of that person. Now, let me just say we're going to be studying in the next three weeks every facet of the fruit of the Spirit. And every facet of the fruit of the Spirit is going to be something that is internal as well as something that is external as well as something that is eternal. But these first three, if you really think about it, if you uh, study what those words are, the primary, I guess, the first thing that you think of is something internal, really. It's not something external when you think about love, joy, and peace. It's something that is internal. And can I say that the Spirit of God always starts working on the inside out? The Spirit of God will always work in your life, starting on your heart, the inside, the person that you are, and then it works its way out. It does not start on the outside and work its way in. That's what we call behavior modification. The world has found that behavior modification does not work. They found that if you just try to uh, change somebody on the outside, if you just try to get them in the right environment, uh, that uh, it really doesn't change who they are. The, the world has a philosophy, a view of, of seeing people and things and situations and circumstances. And they say, if you, uh, if you can just change what's around them, then it changes who the person is. Or another way that it's stated, they'll say, well, we're just a product of what? Of our environment, right? They'll say, if you come from this household, then this is what's going to happen to you. But you know, the Spirit of God and the way that God works, He doesn't work on the outside, the environment, to try to change you. But he changes you from the inside. So no matter what environment you might be in, the Spirit of God is still working. And others are seeing the Spirit of God in you. All right, so there's an inside-out kind of work that the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit begins to produce, as we walk in the Spirit, this kind of fruit, this internal fruit. And I want you to notice there in your notes, that first fruit is love. Love. Now, can I say the word here, love, is the word agape. And it's the word that is used for a divine love. A divine love. You see, the word agape means an undeserving, gracious love that was received by you and given to you by God. It's the, it's the word that is used most in the Bible for the word that we translate as love. It's that Greek word agape. All throughout the New Testament, there are two words, and we learned about that if you were here last week uh, with Brother Braswell. He talked about the word phileo, which is brotherly love. But this word agape is used more often uh, in the New Testament than the word phileo. 
It's that word that, that God uses to represent his love. It's a gracious love, a divine love for you and me. And if you notice in 1 John 4.19, there in your notes, it says, we love him because he first loved us. That, that gracious love that we can have towards God is only there because God first showed us that love. Apart from God's love in your life, you'd never know what agape love is. Do you know that a person that doesn't have the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, that does not have the Holy Spirit working in their life, they know nothing of agape love. They know a little bit about phileo love. They have that love where uh, they'll be willing to give their life to die for their country or maybe their friend or maybe even their family. That's a phileo love, a love, a brotherly love that you have for for someone because you believe uh, the cause that they stand for. You believe about the connection that you have with them. And people can know a little bit about that love. That love that comes naturally to a mother that has had a child and they'll get up at three in the morning and give that child to eat and they'll, they'll change the, uh, the, the diapers of that child. They'll, they'll provide the needs for that child. It's a, it's a phileo love. But the agape love that a person has comes only from God. It's an undeserving, gracious love. It's a love that really cannot be described with words. It's a, it's a, it's a love that is beyond words. It's beyond just actions. It's a, it's a deep kind of love. Now, I want you to know that this morning, that love ought to be reciprocated to God in your relationship with Him. So He is to receive that love from you. The Bible says we can love Him. He first loved us. We get to know what agape love is. We get to know that even though we have uh, broken God's law and even though we have rebelled against God and even though we have not kept the commandments of God, that God still loves you and me. That's the agape love. The love that says, I love you not because of what you've done for me, because, but because I just love you. I love you despite what you've done to me. Anyone that has had a situation in their life where someone has been unkind knows that agape love is difficult. It's hard to love someone that has done something wrong to you. It's hard to love someone that has lied about you, lied about your family, stolen from you, gossiped about you. Man, it's hard to love that person. But God says, you know, my kind of love, the agape love that I have, loves you despite all of what maybe that you have done to him. But he says, but you can love me with that same kind of love. You see, when the Spirit of God indwells a person, now the fruit of that work in your life and walking with the Spirit of God, it produces that same love that God gave to you. Ain't that awesome? That same love that that you did not deserve, that gracious love, now it is in you and in me. It's it's an undeserving love that you can now show to God. Man, I, I wonder this morning, as we think about that kind of love, I wonder how many of us, even just this morning, took time to show God that kind of love. You know, the love that just says, God, I just, I just love you. I'm going through a tough time, but it doesn't matter. I still love you. You know, sometimes our love for God is dependent upon if things are going right in our life. You notice that? 
I found that to be a tendency in my life, that when everything is going well, now my love for God is greater and greater and greater. And then things don't go so well, and suddenly my desire to read God's Word and my desire to spend time in prayer becomes less and less. And God says, you know, our love not, should not depend on what the circumstances are. God has given us His love so that we can show that same kind of love to Him. That undeserving, great, amazing, unspeakable, unbelievable kind of love. I, um, I heard of a, a husband and wife that were uh, at a hospital and, and uh, the husband had... Uh, just uh, been coming out of some anesthesia that of a procedure that he had done that had given him anesthesia for a series of tests there and he's he was there in the hospital and and he's lying on the bed and uh, as he's trying to come out of it his wife was of course sitting at his bedside waiting for him to to come out of the for the anesthesia to wear off and and uh, for a moment there uh, he he opened his eyes and 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 he, and he looked at her and he said you are beautiful and then he closed his eyes back again and, and, you know, still conked out from the medicine. The medicine was continuing to work there in his body. And, of course, his wife was flattered and sort of motivated her to just stay there by the bedside thinking, now ah, he's going to come out of it again. And after a little bit uh, of uh, some time passing by, of course, he, he opened his eyes again and, and he looked at her and he said, you're cute. And she looked at him and she said, well, what happened to beautiful he said, well, the drugs are wearing off. <laughs> Aren't you glad that God's love isn't like that? God's love is not a love that is, well, for a time only. God's love is there for us in the good times and in the bad times, when we honor Him and when we dishonor Him. God's love is there. It's a divine love. And part of the fruit that God wants in your life and my life is to have that kind of love for Him. God doesn't force us to worship Him. God wants us to choose to worship Him. And how many know that the best kind of love shown to you is the love that someone chooses? Haven't you noticed that? You notice that uh, you'd rather have your husband say he loves you and not have to tell him, do you love me all the time? Can't you tell me you love me? No, you, you want the husband to tell you, I love you. You want the wife out of her own will to say, sweetheart, I love you. Notice the fruit of the Spirit is a divine love, but it's also a shared love. That word agape is not only just about the love that we receive and the love that we show God in our walk with Him, but that fruit is also seen in the shared love that we have. Someone said this, and I think it's in your notes, Christians should be God's love with skin on. I was watching a, a special um, on uh, this website called dayofdiscovery.org, and they're following this pastor uh, in the city of Nazareth there in Israel, and he's an Arab pastor. And of course, in, in uh, Nazareth there, you have a population uh, that are Muslim. You have a, a population, of course, of Jews that are in Judaism, and then you have, of course, another population, and it's a very small population of those that are Christian. And they were asking him, they're asking this Arab pastor, how is it that you go and witness to people? Uh, I know that that's something that brings strong emotion to that area. People are very religious and they're very fervent about the religion that they follow. How is it that you go and you reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And it was interesting that he told them, he said, you know, 
I have found that the most effective way is just to love them. He said, I, I don't spend a whole lot of time attacking the Muslim religion. He said, in fact, I don't spend a whole lot of time attacking the Judaism religion. He said, I spend all of my time focusing on God's love. He said, and when I focus on God's love, I do my best to reflect God's love to them. He said, I try to serve them. I try to give to them. I try to give all that I have, my, my time to them. And I, I'll go down through the, through the streets and just take time and talk to people. When people are in need, I'll, I'll give of what I have there, whether it's money or whether it's food, and I'll try to give them what I have just so that they can see that I love them. And he said, more people have come to Christ. And he had a, a church of like 150 or something. He said, more people come to my church just because they say they have found someone that loves them. You know, the love that the Holy Spirit produces in our life is a love that we ought to share. It's a life, a, a life of love that is to be shown to others. You see, you'll notice that the Holy Spirit gives that love in such abundance that it begins to change our view of people and our actions towards people in every way. Look in your notes there, John 13, 35. He says, by this, Christ said, shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Jesus said, listen, the love that the Holy Spirit produces is going to be seen by others. It should be one that is shared with others. It is shared with God in your relationship with Him, but as you walk in the Spirit, it's a love that is seen by others. 1 John chapter 4 says, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, then he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. In other words, John is saying, a fruit of the Spirit that you'll have is love, and it's a love that not just says, well, I love God, and that's all that matters. No, you ought to love God with all you have, but you also ought to love one another. They asked Jesus, what is the most important commandment? What is the primary commandment, the first commandment of all? He said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and might. But he said, but the second one is like unto it. Love thy neighbor as thyself. The love that the, fruit, the, that the Spirit begins to produce in our life is a love that is divine, but it's a love that should be shared. And let me tell you, that only starts in the heart. It always starts right in here. So I guess the question must be asked this morning, how's your heart? How's your love this morning? Have you allowed the Spirit of God to begin to move you to love more? To love God more? To love people more? How's your love this morning? I want you to notice not only is this internal fruit one that produces love, but you'll notice that it's also one that produces joy in the life of a person. And this joy is an abundant joy. Now, joy is defined as the exceeding great cheerfulness in God and in His person. That's how if you were to look up the word joy, that's the definition you could find for it. The exceeding great cheerfulness in God and in His person. You'll notice that joy is not the result of circumstances or situations. It is not found in the fact that things are going my way. Instead, it's the outflow of the Holy Spirit's work in opening my mind to who God is and His work in my life. That's where joy comes from. If you're looking for joy in anything outside of God, you'll never find it. 
You might find temporary happiness that stays for you with you for just a little while, but it kind of reminds me when I watch my two little boys play with their toys. It's funny, they'll start fighting over a truck. And then finally one of them will get it, and he'll play, and five minutes later he doesn't want the truck anymore. For those five minutes, man, that truck was giving him all sorts of happiness. But it only lasted for five minutes. And five minutes later, they're fighting for another toy. And then for another toy. And another toy. But you know, you never find happiness in toys. It's funny how we can understand that so many times so well when we look at kids in the nursery. But you know, I know a lot of 25-year-olds that are looking for joy in toys. I know a lot of 45-year-olds that are looking for joy in their job and in everything else outside of God. But the Bible teaches us that there is no joy outside of God. Joy, the, the, the very definition of joy is something that is found only in God, something that comes from God, from knowing Him in a closer way. Look at what the Bible says in John 15, 11. He says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Jesus said, listen, if you really want joy, it's going to become from me. It comes from me to you. I'm the one that can give you that joy. You know, the disciples' world wasn't so different from ours. I want to bring a series maybe later this year on who the disciples were. But you know, uh, some of them were businessmen. Some of them were uh, state employees. And no matter what field that they found themselves in, Jesus said, listen, it really doesn't matter if you're a state employee today, and it really doesn't matter if you're a businessman today. Can I tell you the joy is going to come from me? He told his disciples, I've come that you might have joy, and joy more abundantly, a life more abundantly, that your joy might be full. Look at John 3, 29. It says, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and hears him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. John the Baptist there in John chapter 3 was asked, hey, are you happy, John? You've, you've been working in this ministry, baptizing people, telling them to repent. And now there's this other guy named Jesus, and he's got followers following after him. What do you think about that? And John said, man, that, that gets me excited. He said, I'm more excited about what Jesus is doing than what I'm doing. He said, you know where my joy is coming from, he told the people? From what Jesus is doing because of who he is. He said, there I get my joy. That's where my joy comes from in my life and in my ministry. You know where your joy, your greatest joy is going to be as a Christian? When you find the joy that comes in knowing God. In drawing closer to him. Then you'll find the great, exceeding cheerfulness that only comes from God. You see, it's an abundant joy that comes. It's something that the Holy Spirit begins to produce in you. As He's working in us and our love is growing, you'll find that there's joy that comes with it. Joy in drawing close to God. But then I want you to notice, not only is it an abundant joy, it's an inexplicable joy. <laughs> it's a joy that can be seen by others in your life. It's a joy that when storms come into your life, others go, I can't believe they're taking it so well. I've been in uh, hospital rooms with people that are dying of cancer 
that encouraged me. I remember a few years ago, Hermana Ramirez, going and visiting her, and my wife and I we sang a little bit to them, uh, her and her husband that were there, and cancer was taking its toll. And it was amazing how she encouraged me. I was there to try to cheer her up, and she was cheering me up. Dying of cancer. Why? Because the joy that the Holy Spirit produces in your life, it's inexplicable. I don't know how to explain it. But you go through a storm in life, and there's still joy there. You read the book of Philippians, and look what Paul says. He's, he's writing this from a jail cell. <laughs> I don't know that I'd be writing anything like that if I were taken to prison today and having to be separated from my wife and from my kids. And yet, the joy that the Holy Spirit brings into the life of a person, it's an inexplicable joy. 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter's writing to Christians who have been going through a lot of sufferings and persecutions, and I want you to notice what he writes to them. He says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, and then he says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though ye now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Paul says, I know you're going through heaviness, even though, listen, times aren't, aren't going so well. It's only for a season, he writes. He says, just, just for a little bit now, for just a season, we're going through some heaviness. We're going through some trials. That the trial of your faith, let me just say, is going to bring you much more precious. You know what? It makes Christ much more precious in your life. And it makes the joy that much greater in your life. Can I say, if you're going through something difficult right now, Maybe it's difficult in your personal life. You're, you're facing something difficult. Maybe you're going through a rough time in your family. Or you're going through a rough time at your job. Can I encourage you to look at that suffering as something that should bring you joy? You say, Pastor, how can I have joy in going through something difficult? Just remember that it's just for a season. It's just for a limited time. It's this, at this point in life where if you just draw near unto God, God said, I'll draw near unto you. And the Spirit of God will begin to work in your life and you'll begin to have some joy about things that you never had joy about before. We find that the joy that the Spirit produces is a joy that's abundant and inexplicable. A joy that nothing else can give you. It's an internal joy. But I want you to notice not only is this fruit something of love and joy that it produces, but lastly this morning, it produces an internal fruit called peace. Can I say, first of all, it's a sure peace. Peace is defined as the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot, of whatever sort it is, finds peace in God. In other words, what I'm saying, peace is just being secure in who I am and what I am. 
Being secure in who I am and what I am. Do you know a lot of people are looking for peace, and they're really looking for peace in who they are. We, we, we live in a world, and, and sometimes we, we uh, if you've been uh, raised in a conservative home, you, we find it hard to, to think, why are, why are people uh, in this idea of gender neutrality and, and trying to uh, be transgender or change who they are? Why is it that they're doing this? What makes a person uh, be so discontented with themselves that they think that they shouldn't be a man anymore and they should be a woman, or a woman needs to be a man now? You know what it is? It's a lack of peace. They're not secure in who they are. They're trying to change from the outside in, and they think, if I can just change that outside, then it will bring peace in my life. Many are searching for peace in our world where they cannot find it. Many are, are searching for peace in, in success in their life. They're looking for peace in the job that they have. They're looking for peace in relationships. There's a lot of teenagers that, that feel like, man, if I can just date this girl, I'll be somebody. If I could just do this at school, man, I'd be somebody. People would know me. And it just shows we're, we're lacking peace in life. But can I tell you, peace is not found in that. You'll never find it in your job. You'll never find it in some sort of relationship. That's not where peace comes from. Peace is only found in Jesus Christ. Notice in John 14, 27, what Jesus said. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus said, you see, when the Spirit begins to work in your life, you'll know who you are. And nothing's going to change that. That's why in the first century, when Peter was writing to those Christians that were suffering, they remained in Christ. They remained and stood firm on the Word of God. Many of them had to give their life. Many of them had their uh, uh, families murdered in front of them. Many of them had to be martyrs for the cause of Christ. But they did not move. What makes someone stay on that? I'll tell you what. Peace. An inner peace that God gives that says, it really doesn't matter what happens around me, I know who I am, and I know what I am. I've been given a peace by Jesus Christ that nothing else can give. There's a funny Peanuts cartoon, if you know the Peanuts cartoon, Charlie Brown uh, cartoon. Uh, there's a character by the name of Lucy, and Lucy's talking to Charlie Brown and she says to, uh, to Charlie, she says, man, I hate everything. I hate everybody. I hate the whole wide world. And Charlie says, but I thought you had inner peace. And Lucy says, yes, I have inner peace, but I also have outer obnoxiousness. Do you know that the peace that God gives, that inner peace, doesn't lead to someone hating everyone else? You won't hate who you are. You'll be content. You'll be happy. You'll find joy and love because the Spirit of God also produces this facet of peace in your life. It's amazing that the peace of God is something that is sure, something you can lean on and live in. Then I want you to notice, secondly, that it's a secure peace. When you're walking in the Spirit, there is not the slightest hint of doubt as to who you are. 
you can be confident where it is that you stand before God. You can be secure in the love and in the favor of God in your life. You won't be confused as to where you are standing, what you're standing for. You can stand firm and you can have a peace, the Bible says, that surpasses all understanding. Look there in your notes, Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7. He says, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice what Paul said. That peace that passeth all understanding. He said, it'll help you not be worrisome. It's amazing if you ever Google the statistics for anxiety in our society, it's unbelievable. Suicide rate is going up. The use of drugs is going up. Why? Because people are anxious. Paul said, be careful for nothing. As a Christian, we have nothing to worry about. Listen, let, us, let me just remind you this morning that new car is going to burn one day. The new house is going to burn one day. And all that we see on this earth one day, the Bible says, will be refined and burned. So we don't need to worry about how long am I going to keep this? How long am I going to have this? Can I ever get this? Can I not? He said, be careful for nothing. And everything, just give thanks that God is working in you, that God is with you, that God loves you, the joy that God gives you. And the peace that comes with it is something that will make you secure. That's a peace that I can't really explain it. Can't really define it, certainly. But it's one that you'll feel in your life as the Holy Spirit produces it. That internal fruit from the inside out. It's love, joy, and peace. You know, this morning we've We've talked about how the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. But I wonder how many this morning know of that. You might be here this morning and you might be saying to yourself, you know, I've been coming to church a long time. But I've never experienced what it means to have that kind of love and that kind of joy and that kind of peace. You might know a lot about who Jesus is, but you may not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Jesus promises to give you peace. It's available, but we must receive it. God says, I, I love you, but you got to receive that love. God says, I can give you joy that will make you full and abundant, but you gotta, you got to receive it. I wonder how many this morning could honestly say in their life, there's not been a moment in in my life or a time in my life where I've accepted Christ as my Savior, where I've had that love, joy, and peace in my life. Why not make today the day that you make that decision? Why not make today the day where you can produce a fruit in your life that remains? A fruit like love, joy, and peace. I wonder how many would make that decision this morning. I wonder how many would say, you know, I just need to walk in the Spirit to produce that.
I, I've not really had that working in my life. But I'd like the Holy Spirit, though I have Him indwelling in me, I'd like to experience more love, joy, and peace in my life. I wonder how many would make that decision because you know what? That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in the work that He's doing in your life. I pray that God would do that for us today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for the truth that we find in it. Father, thank you for the fact that it's only in you that we can produce that kind of fruit in our life. Father, I pray that if there be any here this morning that has yet to experience that, that today would be the day in which all that changes. Today would be the day in which they have love, joy, and peace. That internal fruit beginning to work in their heart. Oh, Father, I pray that you would speak to hearts this morning. As the piano just plays one stanza of a hymn, perhaps you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I can honestly say there's not been a time, there's not been a moment that I can remember where I've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. There's not been a time or a moment where I've asked him to forgive me of my sins. I've asked him to give me that love, joy, and peace that I need. But today I want to make that decision. If that's you here this morning, would you raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want someone to show you how Jesus can be your Savior. Is there anyone like that? Then perhaps you're here this morning and And you're saying, Pastor, would you just pray for me? I know the Holy Spirit's working in my life. There's a lot of things that He's doing and working on. And one of the areas that He's working on in my heart is this area of love, joy, and peace. Would you just pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to work in my life? If that's your decision, just raise your hand. God bless you. I see those those hands. Amen. Father, this morning... I saw hands, but you saw hearts. Father, we pray that your spirit would continue to work in our life. Holy Spirit of God, I ask that you would help us to understand that love, but to also live that love. To rejoice in the joy that only you can give. And to stand firm in the peace that we have in you. Oh, Father, I pray that this morning as we apply your word, that it would make a difference in our life. Help each and every one of us to walk in the spirit this week, to make a difference in our life to be more Christ-like, that others would see the light that is shining in us through every facet of our life, and especially in these three that affect our heart and our soul and our mind. I pray that you would just help us now to live it out. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.